We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody to solo ship week eleven. Uh, we're we're getting jam. We're getting through the season week eleven already. It it seems like every week the slate just gets uglier. It seems like there's less games, <laughs> more injuries, uh, like more teams like on the the prime time games that would be good offenses. Um, and I, I do think yes, we've had some. You know, it's just natural. Like injury news is going to get get more kind of murkier as the, as the season goes on. It seems like NFL becomes NBA as the season goes on, where we're waiting, you know, a lot more game time decisions that are that are impactful to the slates. Uh, but it's also like scoring is down. Like I looked up, you know, three years ago or you know, 2020, I think we had five teams at 30 points or more. This season we have none, and um, and the one team that's at exactly 30 points per game is off the slates, Kansas City. Uh, so it does it feel the slates feel uglier, but then we've got a little bit of a shift. With this this week, we got the Bills now going to a dome. As long as they can get to Detroit out of Buffalo, yeah, it's crazy. Playing on Sunday, so yeah. What you, what you know? What are your thoughts? How was your week? Yeah, the scoring is down, and then people look for like macro trends, right? People always want to be like, so what's changed? And it's like, well, you know, we can go team by team and see like like how these teams are playing offense or what these matches are lining up as like, it's just like a lot of teams that are still developing their offenses that are like playing defense heavy, like the, the jets, the giants, the bears, like, or, or not the bears, the Cowboys, like they're leaning on their defense to win games. And uh, a lot more teams are skewing run heavy. And so it's just kind of like, it's a lot of micro situations that are leading up to a macro that has scoring down across the league. And I think that people are then next, next year, they're going to be like, Oh, scoring down. And then next year could be totally different, right? Every year is, is so different. But then in addition to the lower score, I mean, when was the last time we saw an over under on the main site of like 55, right? We used to see those every week. 
Uh, and so in addition to scoring being down, we're at this point, I, I talked about this like a month ago, when we had all like teams have moved away from the workhorse running back by and large. And so we had all these high price running backs who had like 65 to 70% roles. And I was highlighting like, here's all these guys in the 5K to 6K range who also have 65 to 70% roles. But because pricing psychology tells us these high price guys are the best plays, like these low price guys were coming in lower on than they should have. And I was saying at the time, like play these low on guys, get your upside at wide receiver, and then like recognize that within a few weeks, these good prices are going to be gone. And then we'll have really tough decisions to make. And we're at that point now. It's like, you know, last week, Damon Pierce was chalk, not because people wanted to play him, but just because he was the only guy under 7K who made any sense at all. Right. And then this week, David Montgomery, 6,100, similar thing. Damon Pierce is apparently popping as chalk again at 6,500 against the number two run defense by DVOA on an offense that doesn't score touchdowns. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, pricing we're in this like later season part where pricing is really tight and one of the things i think is interesting about this like when i started doing some practice builds on tuesday night i spent like an hour and a half messing around with stuff before i built a single practice roster i was like i literally don't know what to do here and then by the time i came back to things on wednesday night i started thinking i started just asking myself on every player can this guy win me a tournament right not like what does this guy project at and what's his median range of outcomes? And not is this guy safe, but like, does this guy have ceiling? And when we start asking that question, this slate becomes a lot more interesting because there are players across all the price ranges that you could say, oh, this guy could win me a tournament. This guy could win me a tournament. So it's a week where like, if your roster misses, it's going to miss hard. You're going to have like sub 100 points. But if it hits, right? Like I think a lot of people are going to have rosters that score 160, 170. There's not a lot of guys capable of scoring 30 points this week not a lot of guys capable of going 4x their salary so if you're just focusing on ceiling and you get the right guys on the right roster uh, like i think there's a clear path to first place this week that a lot of people are going to be missing because people want that that feeling of certainty when they're looking at things yeah it's, it's actually it's a pretty similar week to what we talked about last week where there's certain guys popping like yeah damien pierce is going to pop because there's there's certainty there although i'd actually argue with you know benjamin maybe there's even less certainty than people are thinking um, because I, they must have signed him for a reason. And uh, he was kind of like highly regarded at least by the fans in, in Arizona. Like I look on, on Twitter, like they would it seemed like, Eno you know, Benjamin fans are waiting for him to take over from James Connor. And then they, he was surprisingly, surprisingly released. So we, we don't know what happened there, but yeah, Houston you know, put in a waiver claim. So and they, they presumably put in the waiver claim because they see him as a good young player could be part of the future. So yeah, there's probably even less certainty with Damian Pierce than, than people are thinking it just, when you look at projections or if you aggregate projections, you're going to get a lot of Damian Pierce, a lot of the David Montgomery, uh, particularly on FanDuel. He's got a, a pretty good FanDuel price, I think, David Montgomery. Uh, but like that certainty doesn't buy you a whole lot once the games kick off, right? Because then, you know, then it's all about upside. And we, we talked about last week, you know, looking for guys in different roles and it, it didn't work out for me or it didn't work out for anybody unless you had a lot of uh, Justin Fields. Um you know, on your, on your roster, and I guess, uh, Jonathan Taylor as well, which was a good call by you last week. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it is, I think it's all about the upside and a lot of times it, as the season goes on, it feels like the pricing gets tighter I and mean, it does, but it gets tighter because you have a frame of reference to look back on, which is the whole yeah, yeah, the season, yeah. Right? Like the whole you know, part of the season up to now. So we look and say, well, oh, these guys are all like efficiently priced now because we're looking at their season at seasonal averages or just, not even computing a season on average, just looking at their game log. It's like, well, yeah, they're, they're priced about where they should be considering, but you're expecting them to perform as they have their average, you know, so far this season. 
Uh, and it, that's not the way it's going to play out, right? It's going to be some guy that scores like, two, three touchdowns that we're, that we're not expecting. So it is, it's about hunting, I think, for that upside and just embracing the uncertainty and, and having to, to live with the idea that I don't know how this guy is going to perform, um, but I'm, I'm hunting for that upside. Yeah, and this is why when you put in like, uh, one of the things I've been doing a lot lately is running a lot of optimizer builds just to get a sense of like what optimizers are going to spit out for the field and for, for 150 max players and like for content providers, right? Like the, how are people seeing to put together a slate? And when you run like a, a set of rosters with just median projections, a guy like Damon Pierce is going to pop. When you run it with ceiling projections, those guys don't get put in there, right? Because like that extra 1200 to get up to like Mixon or Josh Jacobs or these guys who can actually score 30 plus points. Like it's worth it to save 1200 somewhere else where there's uncertainty. If, if you're spending like 5.3 K on a wide receiver or 4.3 K on a wide receiver, you're still taking on a lot of uncertainty, especially on a week like this. And so like I, I will have, and I'm, this is, I said this uh, on the overset show too, like this is not to say that this guy can't hit. He can, I will have 0% Damon Pierce this week I, on 150 rosters. I will not have him a single time because it's like, what are the chances that he puts up a score that buries me for not having had him? And then what are the chances on the flip side that he puts up like 13, 14, 15, 16 points at 6.5 K in salary and, and hurts everybody who rostered him. So yeah, the, the, I mean, I've, I've went from being like, Ooh, this is an ugly week to kind of where I was, uh, two weeks ago, whatever that was, week nine, when I didn't really perceive it as being an ugly week until people started saying ugly week. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I've got Justin Fields over here at 5,300 and, and like whatever else I like that week. And and that's kind of like, I've kind of moved to that state for this week, which is funny because on Tuesday night, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do here. And now by this point in the week, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess this is an ugly slate to most people. But I just, to me, it's just like, no, no, I see like how you can build tournament winning rosters on this slate. So we do have three games, I think, that are about 49 and a half. Um, or I guess the uh, Atlanta-Chicago game is 49 and a half. And now the Bills in Detroit are, are 49 and a half. I know like the Minnesota-Dallas game uh, was also up there. Like I think it's the third highest total of the game of the week. Uh, 48 looks like 48 and a half. Um, so we do actually have some places where we can find some offense. But I think there's some flaws with each of those games. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, I think the... I think you guys laid it out great one week season. Um, the Chicago uh, Atlanta game is just two two teams that are going to run the ball. Um, so maybe it they're maybe it, that game has the highest floor for offense, uh, but it's not a place where we're necessarily going to see you know seeing team you know them throw the ball over the ending drives very quickly. Um, so it might not be the best DFS spots. Although you know certainly for single entry, maybe it, it's some place you want to look. I'm probably going to end up under the field on Justin Fields again. <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably going to bury me. Uh, but he's, he's expensive. He's, he's gotten more expensive as this little run ha- has gone on. So, yeah, like you were saying, like 5,300 a few weeks ago, I think now he's like the third highest, third most expensive quarterback on the slate. Yeah, and, and like what we said last week was, and I played Fields last week, but I was underweight on Fields, right? Like I, I'm, we know what he's capable of, but also it's important to note like, when we see this happen, especially back-to-back weeks, we start perceiving it as like, oh, this is going to keep happening, right? And so I want to highlight, like, he's had six rushing touchdowns all season, and five of them have come in his last four games, right? He's not going to keep scoring a rushing touchdown per game. He's had back-to-back games of 140-plus rushing yards. It's like when Josh Jacobs 
went for 140 plus rushing yards in three straight games. And it's just like, Oh, this guy's going to keep doing it. And then it stops happening. You realize, Oh yeah, that's kind of unrealistic. They were just bunched up. Uh, I think it was 2018, maybe it was 2019. I think it was 2018 in his rookie year that Josh Allen rushed for, he was the first quarterback in NFL history to rush for hundred yards. And I think it was three consecutive games. And then he had another game with like 99 yards. So he almost hit four consecutive games. And that shows how rare it is to rush for a hundred yards like in consecutive games, right? The, the rushing records are still like barely 2,000 yards for running backs. And that's like averaging just over 100 yards per game. Like, so there's going to be a game where field rushes for 80 yards. And then if we're talking DraftKings, that takes away the 100 yard bonus, which is three points right there. That takes away, it's almost like a full passing touchdown, right? And then that takes away like the extra 60, 70, 80 yards that he's getting there. So that's like 10, 12, 13 points he loses. And if he doesn't get that and doesn't get the rushing touchdown, well, now he's at a 20, 22, 23, 24-point score. So I think it's like I'll have fields this week, but he's not a guy – I don't think I'll have him on my single entry. And he's not a guy who I'm like going out of my way to say I got to start with fields because I recognize what his ceiling is, but I also recognize that he can put up a Lamar Jackson-type score. And like Lamar Jackson's only top 23.1 points five times since the start of last year, right? Like – and yet we know what his ceiling is. It, it, can, it can be the same thing with Justin Fields. Like he can come out, have a great game, position the Bears for touchdowns, but not get the rushing touchdowns himself, not top 100 yards. And all of a sudden people are like, how do they only get – I saw Justin Fields break off a bunch of long runs. How do they only get 23 points from this guy? It's like, well, that's the way that the math works on his scoring. Yeah, yeah and so it, it is – it's very reminiscent of Lamar Jackson. And I've seen this with Lamar Jackson that when he hits, he can hit big. I mean, you don't see quarterbacks – score 45 points I mean, that, that's tremendous and then but it's not going to be that way every week like if he doesn't get multiple rushing touchdowns then he's putting up kind of an average score and so it's a big difference like 25 points when he's 5300 that could yeah. be a tournament when it's you know 25 points and he's 7600 that's not like that's probably not good enough anymore um because yeah there probably is going to be some quarterback that, that exceeds him um and even you know if that quarterback's like 7400 or, or 7800 and that quarterback gets 30 points, suddenly that's that's the quarterback that's on the winning roster. I actually did just notice that Marcus Mariota is at 5,300, <laughs> uh, which is actually interesting. He's not somebody that really had really been on my radar until I was just looking up the pricing. Um, I don't know. What do you think about, like, Mariota? Like, I, I mean, he's probably not going to pass the ball. But, I mean, he, he, I don't know. It's the same game, same total. Um I don't know, Mariota just occurred to me right now as we're you know, doing this. Yeah, I mean, he's right now he's sitting at like the highest projected ownership if you look at like aggregate ownership, I think. So he's certainly not going to be like overlooked in this game environment. But I think here's like the way I would typically look at Mariota is even if he has like a ceiling game, he probably doesn't go above 24, 25 points, right? So then I'd be like, well, that like I still want a quarterback who can get me 30. But then when you look at the state of this week and it's like well 25 points might actually get like i'll I'll say it like this i I don't think jalen hurts tops 30 points this week in a really like tough spot against an indie defense that was almost designed to stop a player like him right i I think he'll still have a good game but it's not like he's been popping off for 30 point scores left and right right like he needs a lot of things to go right what is he he's got 22.8 last week 21 the week before 28.4 the week before 20 16.9 27.7 17.0 so it's not going out on a limb to say he probably doesn't top 30 at this really high price tag uh, i'm also 100 off lamar jackson this week because we tend to look at him as like man this guy can pop anytime for these monster games but since the start of last year every you know you alluded to like how high he can score 
So yeah, every, all five times he's gone over 23.1 points, he's smashed. All five times that he's gone over 23.1 points, he scored 35 or more. He scored 40 plus in three of those games. But all of those were high scoring back and forth games. One of those games, it was a, a final total of 56 points. The other four games were all 60 plus points. One of them was 70 plus points. One of them was 80 points. And so it's not like, in this game environment with Gus Edwards on the field where they tend to run the ball more, like we should expect Lamar Jackson to just suddenly pop for a huge game. And so he can, but he's a guy who I'm comfortable saying, you know what? The field's probably going to be on like six to 8%. And he probably gets you the typical like 23, 24 points. So if we're looking at all these high price guys and we're like, maybe none of them hit 30 points. Well, Mariota's 25 points then become really valuable. So yeah, I don't like, I don't love the fact that this is going to be kind of a popular play. And that it doesn't really have that high of a ceiling. But then when you look at the state of the site, it's like, eh, it's actually pretty sharp. So uh, Mariota is one of the guys kind of on my condensed list. I'll throw this one to you too. I bet you'll like this one for a condensed list for like build five single entry rosters and put this on one of them. Joe Burrow. And I'm like thinking about who's the guy who on Sunday night, people are going to be like, why did none of us roster this guy? Right? Like obviously Joe Burrow could disappoint. And we, but it's like, we have this two-game sample size of no Jamar Chase, and, and people are just like, oh, they, they don't do well through the air without Jamar Chase. But it's like, yeah, in two games. But would it shock us against a, a Steelers defense that's allowed to, like the second most wide receiver yards, the most wide receiver touchdowns? Would it shock us if Burrow comes out and has a good game? So I think that Burrow's range of outcomes is broad. I think that he could end up 16 points, 17 points. But from a standpoint of who might we on Sunday night be like, Whoa, how did we miss that guy? I think Burrow is one of those guys. And so um, I think he's super interesting this week at 6,800. Yeah, cool. actually, I had kind of forgotten that Cincinnati Pittsburgh was on slate. And it, but it is, it's because it's a 40 point total. Um, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's favored by three and a half, four on the road. Uh, and you, like, yeah, Joe Burrow is not a guy that you're going to be surprised at the, at the end of the slate. Like, yeah, of course. Like, why, why wasn't I looking at Joe Burrow? We have three, four passing touchdowns, uh, but it, he's not on the, on the radar before the slate. I do. I think the one thing we should probably talk about that's really shaken up the slate a little bit is the Buffalo um, Buffalo game getting moved to Detroit. Uh, Buffalo Cleveland game being played in Detroit because of the uh, blizzard in, in Buffalo. As long as they can get there by Sunday, I guess they're going to be playing. And I do. I I think Josh Allen's going to end up being my my highest total quarterback um, just because you now suddenly they're in a dome. That's one of the uh, highest point total games on the slate now, forty nine and a half, and I. I I don't know by Sunday if there will really be any like residual benefits, like ownership benefits um, from the fact that it, the game started with a really low total and it was in Buffalo. Um, and I'm going to tell myself that right now that like people aren't going to be on it because, <laughs> you know, because it, the game started off with like a 42 point total, a 43 point total. But still, I, I think people might be off Josh Allen just based off of recent performance, some injury concerns, but he's not on the injury report this week. So that's, that's a benefit. And I do, I mean, I think, I think he's played well enough where it's not like a a major concern, especially if he's getting healthier each week. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking like taking on a little bit of risk to access some ceiling. I'll take on a little bit of risk of like Josh Allen recent performance for sure. Yeah. I don't think that I, I mean, I'm with you on like the low total to start the week won't necessarily influence ownership, but I do think like all this uncertainty around this game, because on Friday, Saturday, people want to start being like, okay, I'm going to play this guy. I'm definitely going to go here. I'm definitely going to go here. So it's easy for people to be like, well, I don't have to worry about Josh Allen because I've got Lamar Jackson here. I've got Justin Fields here. So I do think that he'll go lower own and the fact that he's higher priced than those guys, people will be like, well, why would I, why would I worry about that? If I can just take Justin Fields, if I can just take this guy, if I can just take this guy. So I think we'll get lower ownership than we should get on Allen and Diggs. I think that we always get lower ownership than we should get on Gabe Davis before I realized like how bad that snowstorm was supposed to be. I was kind of hoping that it would stay in Buffalo because on those like, on those fields, those snowy fields where it's harder to cut. I was like, dude, Gabe Davis could like, you know, act like he's breaking in and get the cornerback to shift their hips and then just go, you know, it would be so hard to catch up to him and he could have a monster game. But even in the dome against Cleveland, uh, I like Gabe Davis in tournaments this week as a one-off paired with Josh Allen. Uh, I like the Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs pairing. Uh, so yeah, that's one that I, I will be overweight the field on. Um, you mentioned, before the show that somebody had asked in the comments last week, if we could, if we could drop in our like favorite stack for single entry. Um, and like at the end of the show, and my first thought was, well, that's the one that like I'll drop in because that's what I'm likeliest to gravitate toward for single builds is, is that one just because I think that, you know, when you do it, you're like, Oh, well, this is a great play, you know, but it's just like other people are kind of like Kirk cousins is going to be chalky this week. And Dak Prescott, who we typically don't love to go out of our way to play. And, uh, Lamar Jackson on a where he's supposed to blow out the opponent and Justin Fields at this high price like it's like well yeah why wouldn't you play Josh Allen at lower ownership with for just a few hundred bucks more? I don't know if he's really going to be that low owned by the time <laughs> they rolled around though. Like, I was looking at like, the Rotor Grinders ownership projections. I think we have him less than five percent owned. Like there's no way that's going to Josh Allen's playing in the the highest total game of the week. Like that people are going to are going to roster him and that I think that's going to shake up. The ownership projections because like i don't think marcus mariota is like you said he, he's one of the highest if you aggregate like ownership projections one of the higher uh projected oh, projected owned quarterbacks like i don't think people are going to own him that much i so i think we're going to see a lot of shifting in the, the ownership projections so i think people are going to end up spending up a little bit at quarterback um one thing and so i actually i like the idea of embracing the uncertainty and embracing the uncertainty with cheaper players i haven't figured out like what the value pieces are going to be but again, running back, I actually was toying around just before the show with like with locking in uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Nick Chubb, and seeing what that got me. And it, it, part of it was this thought that there's less scoring right this this year, so the touchdowns are more important. As you know, who's got the best touchdown odds? Like just you know, Vegas still you know, anytime touchdown odds, it's Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. I don't think those guys are going to be that high owned and they're like, I hate, I hate playing Nick Chubb because he doesn't catch passes. But that, like, I like the idea of maybe take, like a single entry roster. I'm just taking Chubb, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and see, you know, hope that they're a lower own and just seeing what else, like you get like a decent roster 
if you plug those guys in and then you, you get value pieces maybe you wouldn't be high on um you know but but if you they kind of get forced in there and they have just as, as much a chance of hitting as, as anything else on kind of an ugly week for value yeah i, I mean i think nobody ever likes playing nick chubb right so he kind of always comes in low owned and and it, again it's one of these weeks where like i played around with Antonio Gibson plus Brian Robinson. And it was like their 10.9K in combined salary. And you're like, can they even get above like 35 or 40 points? No, probably not. But then you realize, well, they save you a lot of salary at running back. And you look at all the 6K running backs. Do any of them get you 4X? Probably not. You look at the 7K running backs, maybe Josh Jacobs, maybe Joe Mixon, but they can also finish way below that. You look at like, is Saquon getting you 4X? Probably not, right? So it's an interesting week in which like, 3.5 X at running back on a cheap running back who frees you up to go elsewhere is pretty valuable or like a high price running back who even just hits that four X becomes pretty valuable. I don't think there will be that many 30 point scores on this slate across the board. So if Nick Chubb ends up getting his 30 pointer that typically would be like, yeah, that's fine. But we spent all the salary in him and we would really love like a 40 pointer. Like now on this particular week, the unique setup of this slate, those 30 points become really valuable, whereas typically they're not that valuable. And I don't think people will make that shift. That's actually one that I hadn't thought of myself. And so I like, I like that. And I also like, like one of the pairings that I've highlighted this week, because value is really thin. So one of the pairings I've highlighted this week is two of the pairings, actually I'll say this, uh, Justin Jefferson plus CeeDee Lamb and Saquon Barkley plus Amon Ross St. Brown. All four of those guys will be popular, but because of the combined price tags on them, it's so difficult to build around them. And so I think people who kind of like, oh, I'd love to get Jefferson plus CD Lamb. And they start trying to build that. And they're like, I can't build a good roster. This and they'll, they'll do something different, right? They'll put in Schultz or they'll put in like somebody different on the Vikings. They'll put in Hawkins and whatever it is. And so similarly with the Allen plus Diggs plus Chubb, anybody who has that idea, they start with it. And then they're like, well, I can't actually build this roster in a way that I like it. And so in addition to people not wanting a roster, Chubb will get really low, like combinatorial ownership on that because combining all those price tags together just makes it really tough this week. And uh, we love finding stuff like that because now you've got one bet that if it hits, you're way ahead of everybody uh, because people just can't build that roster themselves. Yeah. That's the, the third game that is the, you know, the higher, higher point total game is the, um, is the Dallas Minnesota game. I'm actually surprised, like just looking at the ownership projections that it's not like the, the pieces aren't as, as highly owned as I, I would expect. Uh, I think part of that might be some uncertainty with the Dallas running back situation. I, d- I don't know if, if you saw anything right before we came on about uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's still listed as questionable. Um, that was something that kind of shook up this slate a little bit last week. It, it looked like uh, Elliott was going to be out, and, and, and Pollard ended up being pretty highly owned. You, you saw the plan for like Coney Pollard being the only running back in Dallas. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that's an interesting game. I think that's a really interesting pairing that you, that you bring up. I think CD Lamb is definitely popping for a lot of people in optimals. And I think he's he's up there in terms of the ownership projections. That makes it difficult to then put in Justin Jefferson. Like you're not seeing if you run just like a an optimizer for any set of projections or aggregate projections, you're gonna get a lot of CD Lamb. You're not getting a lot of Justin Jefferson because he's, he's too expensive. And CD Lamb is showing us the, the better value, and then that optimizers are pairing him with other other good values. But that's probably not what you want to do. What you want to do is is take, you know, who's if CeeDee Lamb's getting pushed for his ceiling score, it's probably coming from like from Justin Jefferson or maybe like Dalvin Cook. Like maybe yeah. that's an interesting pairing as well. Yeah, that's so another like, really interesting yeah. pairing that'll be low, like a lot lower on. And yeah, like the, Mike McCarthy has talked about like our goal is to get our, you know, if Zeke's playing, which Jerry Jones has said he will be. Jerry Jones said uh, 
defenses know how important Ezekiel Elliott is to the team, which is like him trying to convince fans and, and fantasy analysts like, no, 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 guys, Ezekiel Elliott's really important. Defenses think so. Uh, not true. But the like if if Zeke is playing, Mike McCarthy has said like their goal is to get 30 running back carries between those two guys. They feel like they'll win games every time they get 30 running back carries between those two guys. And so in order for CeeDee Lamb to really pop, he needs to be in a game environment where the Cowboys are, are like, hey, there's points being scored. We got to throw the ball. We got to react here. And so, like, CD Lamb at 7,500 without a Vikings piece just doesn't make that much sense to me. CD Lamb with a Vikings piece, it's like, well, that's, this is telling a story where, like, the type of game environment where CD Lamb would actually be getting a tournament winning score. Now you're actually betting on that type of game environment. And then, yeah, like the fact that, like you said, optimizers aren't putting Justin Jefferson in there because it's like, yeah, yeah, he's a great play, but with the way pricing works out this week, you probably can't fit these guys and build the type of roster that the optimizer wants to build. And so uh, we'll just get lower combined ownership there. Same thing, like you said, Dalvin Cook with CeeDee Lamb, another really interesting one to consider. Yeah, I, I think it's shaping up as a week where, you know, I, I'm always going to do game stacking, but I do think I'm probably going to end up concentrating on these these three games that, that we've talked about that have the, the higher point totals, probably the least on the uh, on the Chicago-Atlanta games. Because I... Yeah, I, I think Justin Fields is going to end up a little bit overowned, um, you know, just based off of his recent performance. And, it, and even if I'm playing Fields, I don't know that I necessarily need to bring him along with a bunch of pieces from that game. I think Drake London is getting some attention, and I, I probably will have him. I think he's uh, generally more attractively priced on, on FanDuel than on, on DraftKings. So maybe I'll have some like Fields, Drake London stacks, or maybe end up with, you know, with some Mariota. Um, and I'm probably going to end up focusing on this, the, the Buffalo, um, this, I keep wanting to say the Buffalo Lions game, but it's Buffalo, <laughs> Cleveland in Detroit. Um, and then the, the Dallas Minnesota game. I, I think those are the two games that have the highest chances of popping off. But then I, I do again, in terms of like single entry, I'll probably run five or six single entry rosters. And I do, I like the idea of like Joe Burrow. Um, Cause I, I like these Pittsburgh pieces. And and you can you know probably do like a, a Joe Burrow game stack and and just ignore the low point total of the game and say like there's a good chance that it exceeds its point total um, and if it does exceed its point total we probably know where those points are coming from for our DFS rosters um, yeah and then I'll, I'll probably have a Lamar Jackson team yeah of course like that. yeah <laughs> yeah that the Burrow and Pittsburgh one it's like both really concentrated offenses which is great it's because like a lot of times you get in this position where it's like, Oh, here's a game that could pop off. But then you not only need the game to pop off as like a lower likelihood game, but then you also have to get the players right because it's like a, a team that spreads the ball around. So it's like, you know, we've talked on the show about the value of concentrated offenses. So if you're needing to get two bets, right. To get that one bet, right. You know, you need the game environment to go higher than expected. And then you need to pick the right players where, whereas in this spot, it's like, well, it's either like, I mean, without Jamar chase, it's, it's Hurst, and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, that's the entire offense, right? They were 80% of Burroughs' targeted passes went to those four guys last week. And so we know that's the entire offense. And then the Steelers, they got rid of uh, Chase Claypool. So now it's, you know, backfield, which we're probably not interested in. And then Friar Muth and Deontay and George Pickens. And so, uh, yeah, I like that spot that if you get the game environment right, you probably know where to go to it. And I'm with you. Like, once you get past these top three game environments, you can look through the rest of them and, and it's really hard to paint a picture of any of these game environments blowing up, right? And so maybe no game environment blows up this week, but if one of them does, it's going to be one of those three higher total games. And um, definitely those are strong places 
to focus. I'll also note, you know, you, you brought up not even needing to like stack fields in a whole game environment. Mariota's over under for passing yards is 164.5. So like how challenging is it for him to bring like a pass catcher up with him if he's only throwing for 170, 180 yards. And so like Justin Fields with no bring back or Mariota with like David Montgomery, like that's the way that I see to kind of play that game because then with, if you're rostering Mariota, you're saying that he gets a score like close to Fields, right? You're saying Fields doesn't get 30 plus. Otherwise you would want to spend the extra salary on Fields. So then how does Fields not get 30 plus in a game where Mariota's scoring? Probably with Montgomery uh, taking touchdowns you know, when Fields has the game that we talked about, 80 rushing yards and 200 passing yards, he still gets him down there to the end zone. But, you know, the touchdowns flow through somebody else. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the way that I see to approach that game is like you stack it, but you kind of stack it pretty skinny because there's not going to be an overflow of players popping from that game. And then you focus a little bit more on these other ones. There's there's one more game. I, we touched on, on it briefly. I want to bring it up because I like, what about Jalen Hurts and Jonathan Taylor as a pairing? I and hope that game goes over. And you've brought up some good arguments for, for you know, against Jalen Hurts, I guess. Um, saying he's probably going to be overall like too expensive for the for the production, but that does it does seem like a spot that kind of fits in with this this idea of taking like high upside players, rushing quarterbacks, uh, and it, and I don't think they're going to see as much ownership. Well, I guess we we got Jalen Hurts at sixteen percent ownership on Fanduel, um, <laughs> but, but I I don't know. I mean. I, I, that there does seem like two talented players that could elevate a game environment and, and elevate each other's scores. Um, yeah, I, I definitely won't argue against it, but I, I don't expect to have it. Does that make sense? Like it's, yeah. it's one of those plays like, okay, not for me, but if somebody else is like, Oh, but I really like this play. Like it's not a play. I want to talk somebody off of, you know, because it definitely can hit. It's just one that I'm seeing as like a lower likelihood than the field will perceive given like the way that the, the Colts defense is structured. And so uh, it's one that I'll be off of, but I like, if somebody played it, I would be like, Oh, that's sharp. You know, like it's not a non sharp way to go, especially because I think that that pairing will be low owned and it tells a story about how this game could, could go off. Okay. I guess any, any final thoughts? Uh, what's your one quarterback, uh, quarterback stack for the season? Yeah, that, I, I mean, Josh Allen plus Stefan Diggs, And, and I, I agree with you. I think that the ownership will go up and we already have, Allen at 6.9% on OWS. I mean, it's not like he's going to be super low owned, but I do think that just with his price tag and these other guys available, I think that he's probably, and, and how tight pricing is, I don't think that he's going to become like the chalkiest quarterback, right? I think that we'll get him kind of in this seven, eight, 9% range. So really like Josh Allen to step on digs, um, expensive on a week with thin salary savings. And so uh, I think we get low combinatorial ownership there and really set you up nicely in single entry. Yeah, I, I so yeah. I mean, before the show, I was like, I'm going to go with, with Josh Allen. <laughs> um, but uh, so maybe they'll they'll be more popular than, but maybe not. And if so, that's great. And, and you don't know the ownership, right? You never know the ownership until you flip over the page and see once the games start. I'll go with though with Josh Allen and, and Nick Chubb because uh, I think that'll be love a, that. Yeah, pairing. I think you're going to see really low combined ownership on that. The only problem is you got to you got to plug it in and see what else you get. Yeah, <laughs> uh, cost a lot of salary, but I mean, I, I do. I think tight ends a little bit of a wasteland. So we, can, you know, especially if Mark Andrews ends up sitting, so we could could end up seeing some value at, at tight end or just all all tight ends one up being value. Um, so yeah, I'll go go with that. Uh, any any closing thoughts? No, I love that. I love uh, uh, love the show. I like this week. I'm excited about this one. Uh, excited to 
look back next week and see all the things that we got right and celebrate our our windfall of money from the week 11 slate. Yeah, at, at the top of the leaderboard. All right, have there a good we go. week. See you guys next week. Yeah.